we have going on. Uh, so here's what we want to talk about today. Uh, here's a, a question that uh, I love, or at least that I have found very helpful when I'm sitting down with a good friend. Uh, it's this question, how are you doing really? Uh, and I love that really, because it's amazing how like, we all think we're honest people, but like, that can like kind of reset the tone for the conversation that like, oh, like, you really want to know like how I'm doing? Uh, and then to kind of take like a step deeper, uh, I have a friend that introduced me to something uh, years ago now uh, where he would ask the question, how are you doing really? And he would say, how are your RPMs? Uh, which might not mean anything to you. Uh, but it's an acronym. Uh, and here's what it stands for. It stands for, how are you doing relationally? Really? So coming out of Thanksgiving, going into Christmas, friendships, romance, family, friends. How are your relationships, really, physically? How do you feel? Mentally, spiritually, how are you doing, really? Uh, and so to start off, uh, I want to be a little bit interactive this morning. We're already a little bit interactive. Uh, this time we're not going around with the mics. So you can just uh, shout it out. I'll repeat it uh, for the folks that are watching online. Uh, but I would like us to take a second as a group and kind of express a little bit of how we are doing really. Uh, and here's how you can answer this. Uh, you can answer this for you personally, uh, or you can answer as kind of like just a symbol of what you feel maybe might be happening in the room or what you feel like just like in culture in general. Like here's how I think other people might be feeling and maybe they don't want to voice it, uh, but, but I'll put voice to it. And the good news is, as you can clarify later on with someone if you want, we won't know. So we won't know if you're doing this like on behalf of like humanity or on behalf of yourself, okay? So how are you doing really relationally? How are you guys doing, really? Shout some out. Great. I like it. Good. How, how else are you guys doing relationally? Wonderful. Man, everyone's got good relationships. That's good. How else are you guys doing relationally? Isolated? Surface level? Any others? Divided. What about physically? How are we doing really? After a few extra pieces of pie. How are you guys doing? What did you say, 10? Cold? Physically cold? How else are you guys doing physically? Worn out. How else? Tired. Tired. Any others? How are you doing physically? Yeah. How about mentally? How are you guys doing upstairs? Scattered? Mile a minute. I like it. Stressed? Priorities out of order. Spiritually, how you doing? Really? Excited? Struggling? Distracted? 
Curious? Ooh, I like that. Good. Uh, so glad to hear. Great and wonderful, and that's a good thing. And uh, uh, we spend lots of time focusing on just looking at the, the positive things in our world, and that's a really, really good thing. Uh, today, as you might assume, uh, we want to look a little bit at the other side of things. Uh, and this might not be true of how all of us are, but I'm pretty certain that there's some of us in the room that as we look at how we are doing really, there's a part of us that feels a little bit just discouraged, a little bit disappointed. And the reason why is because when we look at like the state of how things are mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally, we have this thought that's like, this is not the way that it was supposed to be. Like when I was like thinking of this time last year and looking forward to like what my goals were going to be or if I can go back and like when I was a teenager and when I could go back into college and we were still in college. Like when I thought about when I got to this point in my life, I just, I thought it was going to be better. Uh, I thought I was going to be further. Uh, I thought like there's a part of me when I wake up in the morning and I look at like the condition of my relationships. When I look at the condition of my relationship with my kids, my marriage, my friends, I, just, I thought it was going to be better than this. When I look at like how like I feel inside my body, when I, my, my mind, when I think about like I've been going to church for so long, like I, I, sh- I feel like I should be at a different place and I feel like this is not where I was supposed to be. And then just to turn it up a little bit more, it's not just that like we're at a place that we don't necessarily like, but we know that it's at least partially our fault. Uh, maybe it's not all your fault. Uh, maybe there's other conditions that are involved in there. But we know that like when we look at the place that we are physically with our bodies, we know the place that we're at with our relationships the part of the reason why they're not as far as where they should be or maybe why they're just a complete mess and broken is because it's at least partially our fault. There was things along the way that we could have done, that we should have done, that we didn't do. Uh, there was things along the way that like, we knew we probably shouldn't do and we went ahead and did them anyways. And we know that part of the reason why we are in the conditions that we are is because of the choices that we have made or not made along the way. Uh, And here's why uh, I want to uh, talk about that. Uh, We've been uh, in a series, uh, started back in the the beginning of the fall, and we've been looking at this idea of definitions. uh, And we want to define different big ideas or concepts that we talk about in Christianity. Uh, And today I wasn't sure exactly like the best word to put on this, but what we'll do is we'll talk about it is disobedience. Uh, What do we do when God told us to do something and we decided, nah, uh, I don't trust you, I don't like that, I don't want to do that, and we disobey? And then what is God's reaction? Uh, The idea of of judgment maybe, the idea of punishment, and it's something big a lot of us think about, like how does God feel about our mistakes? What does God going to do about them. 
Uh, and here's why we're talking about that. Uh, I'm not trying to be like uh, a bummer as we begin the holidays. Uh, we're going to a place of hope as we end uh, today. Uh, but here's why I want to start here. Uh, so as all fall, we've been looking at this, uh, different ideas of definitions. And what you may or may not have known is we've been actually going through kind of like the big arc of Scripture as we've been going through these themes. Uh, so we started uh, back at the beginning. We talked about the idea of being blessed. And that's how the beginning of the Bible starts, is that God created the world, he blessed the world, uh, God came to a, a, a family uh, headed by a father named Abraham, and he blessed them so that they could be a blessing. And then uh, the people became slaves in Egypt, and Moses, God led them out and he saved them. Uh, and then he brought them out to the desert, and they went up on a mountain, and they got the Ten Commandments and all the rest of, all the, rest of the rules. Uh, we spent a week talking about that. And then last week, we talked about the idea that they finally, they had like a kingdom established. Uh, they had a city. Uh, they had a, a king. Uh, they had an army. And they had a temple. And part of the idea of the temple was that that was a place where God was speaking. And this week, as we kind of like continue to go through this like arc of Scripture, the next big part of the Old Testament is what we call exile. And here's the question that we want to look at today is what do you do when God blesses a group of people? God's blessed us. God has saved us. God has given us rules, told us how he wants us to live, when he has spoken to us, but yet we disobey. When we decide, nah, that's not, that's not, that's not how I want to live my life. If you're God and you're looking down at a group of people or a person and that they knew what they were supposed to do and they did the wrong thing, what, what do you do with that. Uh, I had a, a friend uh, when I was in high school. Uh, he was a teammate of mine. Uh, great guy. Uh, his parents were pretty well-to-do. And so on his 16th birthday, they bought him a brand new car. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys got a brand new car for your 16th birthday. I did not. Uh, or maybe if you uh, have kids, if you, if you plan on buying them. Uh, but they bought him uh, a Chevy Monte Carlo, which I don't know if that means anything, but in 1998, an all-black, black wheels Monte Carlo, it was sweet. Uh, he had it two weeks. Uh, I was at a party, uh, drinking at the party. On the way home after drinking, ran his brand new car into a tree uh, and got served with a DUI. Uh, parents gave him a big talking to, said, we never want you to do that again. Uh, he had to serve a, a little bit of like, uh, probation time, but then he finally got his license back. And his parents said, you know, we, thank you for saying sorry. We forgive you. We're going to save you. They bought him another brand new car. This time they bought him a Jeep Wrangler. Again, all black, black wheels, like he was the coolest guy on the team. Uh, three weeks after he got the Jeep, at a party, drinking, drinking and driving, uh, got into another accident, totaled the car. If you're his parents, what do you do? I mean, you've, you've blessed him, you, you saved him at least once, you've given him the rules, you've spoken to him, but yet he just seems like, set on disobeying, what do you do? And if you're God in the Old Testament, as you looked at the people of Israel, if you're God now and you look at the way that we live our lives and they just, they don't do what they're supposed to do, how do you handle that? Uh, here is what happened uh, thousands of years ago. Uh, here's what it says. It says, the king of Assyria invaded the entire land 
and marched against Samaria and laid siege to it for three years. And so they uh, went around the city uh, and they literally wouldn't let anything in or anything out. And so people, this is how they did warfare thousands of years ago, is they're literally kind of like starving the people out because they're stuck there for three years. In the ninth year of Hosha, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and he deported the Israelites to Assyria. Uh, and so the Assyrian army came in, this big bad army at the time, and they came into Israel, the people of Israel, the people of Moses, who had been saved, who had been blessed, and they surrounded the city. They ended up tearing down the city and burning the city. This beautiful temple, they tore it down, they burned the temple. And these folks who had been saved from slavery all those years ago out of Egypt now were being taken out of the land that they had inherited, and now they were slaves again. And the people of Israel are waking up in this foreign land. There's towns ripped apart, and they're thinking, this, this is not the way it was supposed to be. This is not how, like, our land was supposed to be. This is not how, this, it was supposed to be different than this. And why? Why was this happening? Uh, here's how it goes on. It says, all this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt. Remember why I did that? And I saved you from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshiped other gods, and they followed practices, other rules, uh, other laws of the nations uh, that the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. And so God had said, I want you to live this way these practices. This is the way we're going to treat people, guys. This is the way we're going to treat people that are foreigners. This is the way we're going to treat people who harm us. But they decided that they were going to practice a different way. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. They worshiped idols, though the Lord had said, you're not supposed to do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, Turn from your evil ways. Please observe my commandments and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants and the prophets. But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. And for many of us, that's our story. We were warned, we were told, we had opportunities to do the right thing, but for whatever reason, we all have our stories, we decided we were not going to trust God. We were going to be a little bit stiff-necked, and we were going to do something that we knew we shouldn't do, and now it has led us to a place that we didn't want to be. Oh, what do we do, what does God do, when we end up in a place that we did not want to be? Uh, the first thing I want us to know today is that God, when we do things that we're not supposed to do, God will allow consequences. Uh, God will let the story play out. Uh, I love this uh, quote by a guy named uh, Rob Bell. He says that love demands freedom. This is the idea that God loves us. God wants to give us what's called free will, if you've heard of that idea before. And love demands freedom. It always has and it always will. We are free to resist, reject, and rebel against God's way for us. And so God loves us enough. He's not going to just 
order us around, make us into robots and tell us what to do. But God's willing to say, here's the way of forgiveness. I want you to do it. It's going to be a better way. But if you decide you want to live in grudges and bitterness and just keep rehearsing that story, you can do that. I, I, I love you enough to give you that freedom. Here's the way of generosity. I want you to live in this way. This is going to be a better way to live. But if you want to live greedy, I'll, I love you enough to let you choose that. I want you to live open-handed. Uh, but if you want to live in envy and comparison to everybody, I want you to tell the truth. But if you decide you want to lie, I love you enough to let you do that. But here's what you need to know. Is that if you decide that you want to live these ways, there will be consequences to how you decide to live your life. Uh, here's the way that uh, Jesus said it uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and actually puts them into practice, actually does them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, that you can build your house in such a way that when the storms come, and they will, uh, there'll be really difficult things in life. You can, where your relationships, mentally, physically, spiritually, like, it, it's still, it's okay because of the decisions that I've made. Or, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, because we didn't trust, because we didn't want to, because we didn't like it, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against it, and it fell with a great crash. And some of us have experienced exactly that. Uh, our, our lives, in some way or another, have crashed. Physically, crashed. Mentally, spiritually, relationally. And as we look back, there's maybe multiple reasons for why it happened, but there's a part of it. It's like, that's me. I had things I could have done, I should have done, and I decided not to do them. I decided not to trust, not to listen, and therefore, now I'm experiencing the consequences. Uh, so that's the first uh, part of this, which is kind of like the, the, the bummer side of it, is that God loves us enough, to, which is a good thing, that God loves us to give us free will to allow consequences. Uh, but here's the next part of that, and this big message of the biblical idea of exile, is that yes, God will let you choose. Yes, God will let you allow, God will allow consequences. He loves you enough to let you let your life fall apart. But here's the other part about it, is that he will not give up or leave. <clears throat> I think there's a, a thought sometimes that when we really like destroy our lives, especially because of sin, it's like, well, I bet I bet God doesn't want anything to do with me now. Uh, I, I bet, like, God must want me to stay so, God must be so mad at me. Uh, and I especially hear this a lot, uh, where people will be in conversation with someone who doesn't know what I do, and then they'll find out that I'm a pastor, or uh, I'll get to know them, and I'll invite them to come to church. And because of something in their life, they'll have this thought of, like, oh, no, no, like, you don't want me coming to church. Man, if I came to church, sometimes people will, will say, like, man, lightning's going to hit the church. I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, but it's the idea that God's going to be, or the walls are going to fall down. Or there's this thought that, like, if I was ever going to be back in the presence of God, uh, which like we talked about last week, the presence of God is everywhere. But there's this thought maybe God's presence is, like, a little bit more in this building, which is not, but they kind of assume that. If I was ever going to get back into church first, 
I would have to like clean my life up. I would have to like get things together. And then maybe I would be like accepted back in the church. I would be accepted back in the presence of God. But the story of exile is these Israelites that had done many, many things wrong, that had chosen not to trust God, that God wanted to make it abundantly clear that exactly where they were, God was still with them. And he did this in such like cool visual ways because this would have been such a, a big deal for them back then because everyone thought gods were very regional. So they thought, okay, if you're in Israel, that's the God of Israel is here. But now, once you leave Israel, and now we're in Babylon of all places, and once our temple has been burned down, like there's no, how could God possibly be here? Especially after everything we've done and we're not even in our own land, the temple is burned down. And, and maybe if somehow we can figure out a way to like free ourselves out of slavery and if we could ever get back to the land and if we could rebuild the temple, then maybe God would be with us again and maybe God would accept us and love us. But where we are right now, God must not want anything to do with us. And the story of the exile is God would regularly send these prophets, these kind of really crazy, often weird characters, and he was going out of his way to let them know, I am with you right now. Uh, one of my favorites is a guy named uh, Ezekiel, who did lots of weird stuff. You should read the book of Ezekiel. Here's how the book of Ezekiel starts. In the 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles, the people who were now experiencing consequences, who, who had caused this because of their own actions, by the Kibar River, so we're way away from Israel, the heavens were opened up and I saw visions of God. I saw God right there, right in the middle of Babylon. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth of the year of exile of the king of uh, Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came. We didn't go to it. It came to us. To Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians, there, right there, right in the middle of their circumstances, the hand of the Lord was on him. And this is a narrative that is all throughout scriptures, is that if your life is a mess, if you're broken, then God is not staying distant from you. God is not waiting for you to come to him, but God is right there where you are. Uh, we see this all the time in the story of Jesus. Uh, you regularly see encounters like this with Jesus. Uh, so the teachers of the law uh, who, were, uh, who were the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were a group of people who like, very much like were the religious, righteous people, sinners, you guys stay over there. Uh, but they saw Jesus eating with the sinners and the tax collectors. And they asked the disciples, why does he eat with the, with the tax collectors and sinners? Because that's where Jesus wants to be. Jesus wants to spend time with the people that he loves. And Jesus loves people that are, their lives are falling apart. And so right now, if you're living in some sort of a season of life where you're experiencing the consequences of your decisions, I get that, and that's hard. And you go to bed and physically you feel the consequences Mentally, you feel the consequences. Spiritually, relationally, that's hard. But right there in the midst of it, God is with you. But then it's not just that God is with you in those circumstances. It's that God wants 
to help. Uh, so here's the next part. He allows consequences. He will not leave, but he wants to help you move to the next level. Uh, I, I love this quote by a guy named Max Lucado, who said, God loves you just the way you are. So true. But he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be like Jesus. And again, one of the reoccurring themes through the exile is that these prophets would come to these folks that were exiled, experiencing their consequences, and then that the prophets would paint these amazing pictures of what God wanted to do to help them move from where they currently were to a better place. God wanted to make them mentally, physically, spiritually into a better place. Place. Uh, one of the pictures uh, that uh, a guy named Ezekiel, again, uh, painted is he used this idea of dry bones, that their, their lives just felt like they were just, dry. that's how some of us, our lives feel, just so dry and out of it. But then he said uh, to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Some of us, that's how we feel. Therefore, prophesy and let them know. This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. We, we are going a different way. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring up, bring up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. All the things that are so broken right now, I'm going to put them back together. Uh, or here's another picture uh, that a guy named Isaiah painted. As he said that the people were like living in darkness. And again, some of us, that's how we feel, is that we live in darkness. He said the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, sometimes we feel like just like... It, our, we go to work, we go everywhere we go, it just feels so dark, but a light has dawned. And then maybe you've heard this before. He says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Yes, you are in exile. Yes, you are experiencing the consequences. And yes, I am with you in the midst of it, but I'm not going to leave you here. I am going to do something that is going to completely change this circumstance. I want to help. What do we do? When we're in a place in life where we feel like this is not the way it's supposed to be, where we're experiencing the consequences, God wants to be with you, and God wants to help. Uh, as we uh, tend, you can go ahead and come up. Uh, as we near the end, I want to give us a little bit of time, and this has been our practice uh, over the last couple weeks now, is to not just hear and kind of process this mentally, but to give us a second to kind of feel each of those three parts of exile. Uh, consequences, owning those consequences, owning that it was our fault, feeling that God is with us in the midst of it, and then asking for help. Uh, so we're going to go through each of those three, and I'm going to give you a few minutes to reflect on that. 
Uh, so the first is we want to think about that many of us, our life is not the way it's supposed to be. And it's easy for me, maybe it's easy for you, to blame others, to blame circumstances. It's COVID's fault, it's the economy's fault, it's my mom's fault, it's my dad's fault. All very possibly true. But there's also a part of why we are in the circumstances that we are that is our fault. Uh, so there's a part on your program uh, where it just says notes. And I'm going to give you a, a couple minutes to reflect. And here's what I would like you to do. Is you can write whatever you want to write in that section. But if you would, I would like you to write these words. It's my fault. And you'll know what that's referring to. The folks around you won't know. But all of us have something. And as you look at the circumstances around you, would you take a moment and just own that the circumstances that you find yourself in, the consequences that you are experiencing, that it is in part your fault. And then after uh, a few minutes of just thinking and writing that, I'm going to lead us in a joint prayer of confession that I'm going to ask us all to pray together. Uh, so take a minute and uh, just think about the situation that your life is in. And when you're ready, write those words. It's my fault. say this prayer together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly Let's reflect that in the midst of the ways in which we have messed up, God already was there and He is still there. He isn't going anywhere. He knows the worst about you. He knows the things that nobody else knows. And He isn't going anywhere. John 3.16, it says, This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son. He didn't wait for us 
He sent His Son to where we are. So I'm going to give you a minute or so to reflect on that God is with you. And as you reflect, uh, there's communion cups on your table, and you can take the communion to remind you that no matter what you've ever done, God still loves you. You can do the worst thing possible. You can kill his only son, and he is still going to forgive you. He's still going to give you another chance. So take a few moments and reflect, and when you're ready, you can take communion. Maybe God wants to help you put the pieces back together again. Here's the rest of uh, John 3.16. This is how much God loved the world and gave his only son. And this is why. So that no one needs to have their life destroyed. But you can believe. You start trusting in him today. And anyone, no matter how screwed up things are, can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all this trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. So I'm going to give you a couple more minutes to reflect. And you can ask God for help because he wants to help. What do you need help for in your life? Uh, and I'm going to call a little bit uh, of, an, of an audible. Uh, I just have this thought. Hopefully this is a good thought. Some of you might uh, feel like that whatever you need help with in your life, you might just you just need to like express it to someone else and maybe have someone else pray for you. Uh, so I'm going to give you like a minute or so to reflect, and then we're going to sing a song about asking God for help, about waiting, hoping for God to come and help. And if you just like want to share what's going on in your life and be prayed for by someone, uh, we would like to do that. And so... Um, Craig, um, Leslie, um, myself, uh, Julie, Jenna. Uh, we're we're going to kind of go like some of the corners of the room uh, as we're reflecting here. If you want to come to one of us, we would love to have you come to us. And just you can say as much as you want to say or don't say. And we would love to pray for you. If that's not something you want to do, that's totally fine. But take a moment. Let's reflect. Ask God for help. If you would like us to pray for you, we'll be in the corners of the room, and then we're going to sing together uh, a prayer of help. So let's take a moment and reflect. 